Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Today we're welcoming one of Ireland's most celebrated female artists, Imelda May, onto the show. So, welcome Imelda, how are you today? I'm very well, how are you Alice? I'm really, really good, thank you. Good to hear from you. Um, where am I speaking to you from at the moment? Um, a hideout. A hideout, ooh, <laughs> I'm intrigued. You don't have to give away your exact location, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's good i like the mystery secret hideout a secret hideout. let's keep it secret then okay <laughs> so let's just um kick off quickly like how has the last year been for you as an artist how's it affected you and um have you been able to carry on with you know writing your new album or you know have you just taken up any mad hobbies or anything like that how's it been for you um it's been really busy busier than ever um i've been I made an album. I've been working on the artwork, working on videos, um, promoting, um, going through all of that. I've been writing poetry. I recorded an EP. Um, I released that, was promoting that, working on the artwork for that. And I'm writing a poetry book. Um, and I'm in the middle of another project. So, um, yeah, I've been crazy busy. Okay, yeah, it definitely sounds like you have. Uh, you haven't uh, let the time go to waste for sure. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you've had any time to pick up any mad hobbies on the way. So, work, work, work. No, I got gotcha. you. No, no. I suppose you yeah. make the use of that um, downtime if you want. It's not downtime, obviously, but non-travel time. Maybe we should call it that. Instead. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Have you been binge watching anything? Have you been watching anything? Any guilty pleasures on TV? You find yourself getting sucked into? Yeah, oh, I don't believe in guilty pleasures, by the way. Oh. I, don't, I don't think those things should, those words should ever go together. <laughs> you can have guilt or you can have pleasure, but I don't think you should ever have guilt in pleasure, in having pleasure. Does that make sense? That's I never, never call them that. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am. Um, oh, I got mad into, oh, I went through all of Breaking Bad in no time at all. Oh, it's so I got easy totally to do. Hooked on that, and then um, Shit's Creek. I went mad into Shit's Creek. I totally loved that. Mm-hmm. Killing Eve. I've gone through some really good stuff, and then I decided to go look at some old classics or uh, discover. You know, you know, you know those movies that you know you should have seen or you think you've seen, and yes. then you haven't. Your books as well. The same delving. Okay, no, that's good. I actually discovered Chits Creek uh, either this year or last year. I don't know, everything blurs into one now and I'd never seen that before. So yeah, I did a massive binge session as well. So yeah, I'm with you there too. It was wonderful and Russian Doll, I was into that a while ago. I loved that book some really good really good series oh yeah there's loads out there and obviously breaking bad that you can watch that on a loop forever i think it's always good Mm. but um yeah so um i was curious as well so music i'm guessing it's always been a big part of your life i was wondering um can you remember the first record or single that you ever bought with your own money yeah it was the best of billy holiday oh wow right off the top okay (laughs) nice well that's not even embarrassing that's fine yeah well, it was a movie that I saw where Diana Ross played Billie Holiday mm. and I just was totally, um, I was blown away and um, I had some money, pocket money from my, I think it was my 15th birthday or something like that. And my brother took me down to the record shop and I I, I bought a, a Best of Billie Holiday and I went crazy for for uh, for her songs. 
Oh, bless your brother as well. Good yeah. brother. Uh, what about um, first gig? Do you remember without parents? Oh, without parents? Yeah. Um, I think it was either to see, I think it might have been, yeah, I think it was a, a great band called The Stunning mm-hmm. in Ireland. And I told my parents I was staying at a friend's house and I went down to the keys and I got a coach and I went on my own to, uh, they were playing in Drogheda, which I think it was about a five hour coach journey. And I was 15 and I stayed overnight with some friends and then I came back. Um, and I only told my parents about that a little while ago. (laughs) So I went, I went on like a five-hour coach journey on my own to see a band when I told them I was literally around the corner in my friend's house. Oh, wow. That is quite something. What did your parents say when you told them more recently? Oh, they were, they were horrified. Yeah, they were, they were like, because I I remember on the coach, I remember it was like, like a five or two quid or something for this coach journey and I remember there was nobody on it and I remember I remember it was a massive storm it was one of those storms was warnings to stay indoors and there was this storm and I just remember being terrified that the 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 bus was shaking all over all over the road and I thought it was going to blow over and I was more terrified of being caught than I was of being killed (laughs) 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 I thought if this blows over and I'm in hospital my parents will They'll know. Kill me. Yeah, and they'll know that I was like, I was, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was, I forgot about that. So thanks for asking me. (laughs) I think that was my first gig without parents. And it was, it was quite a long way away. And I had to lie to go. But there you go. That is quite the story. I mean, the lengths we go to for music, eh? Exactly. I'm glad nothing happened to the bus. I can imagine if that was me, with every hour that went by, I would have just regretted it more and more, the terror of how long the journey was. But um, well done. That's quite the brave thing to do. So good on you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think I had no money at all other than for the bus. And like, uh, yeah, I think I had 50 pence left or something ridiculous. <laughs> was it <laughs> worth it? Somebody's floor. Yes. It was totally worth it. The Stunning were a great band. Excellent. They were a great band. I think I did something similar to go to see Guns N' Roses as well. Mm. Um, I think I hitched... Oh, yes, I hitchhiked all the way to Slane Castle to see Guns N' Roses <laughs> and then got stranded and had to sleep in a field. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, no, that's taken a turn for the worse. <laughs> got like, I said, like you said, things you do for music. <laughs> um okay cool I love hearing that that's amazing um you were obviously discovered um I know Alyssa's probably aware of this but just for any of them that aren't by Jules Holland who asked you to go on tour with him and of course you were then on the show and the rest is history so what is it like when you reflect back on that part of your life and how much of an impact um did that have on you being discovered by Jules Holland um well it's funny then when you do well you give quite a few people telling you they discovered you <laughs> oh is it it's like that is it <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but no definitely Jules gave me my big break and um I um 
I'd released a, I, 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 there was some interest in record labels and then it didn't take off. I had a couple of, I had record label interest when I was only a kid. I was 16 and I was singing blues in Dublin. And that's when I met Ronnie Wood. And he says he discovered me, but I always say to him, but you never told anyone about me. <laughs> we were 16 when we had a jam session. Um, he, he, he played, jumped up on stage and played and he was amazing. And, uh, and then I started getting record company interest, but they wanted to change me. They wanted to, they were asking me to be, a, to sing pop and all that. And I, so I turned, I turned them both down. And then, uh, cause I, I knew that's not what I wanted. Even when I was only, I was 16 or 17. And so I just did what I wanted and I enjoyed myself. I had a great time in bands all around. And, and then eventually I remember as well, um, Michael Parkinson came to a gig of mine and then Steph put me on in his pub, him and his son. And he was saying, there's not much I can do. Like I can, I'll, I'll book you and invite my friends to come down and see you, which was really lovely. And then I was invited to sing for Jules uh, on a tour. Uh, or on one gig and then on a whole tour and then I was in Ireland I went back to visit my parents and I got a call from Jules Holland to say um can you be here like tomorrow or something that um it was naturally cold couldn't make it and I said sure and I jumped on a plane and got back and then I was on Jules Holland and then everything kicked off and the record companies who'd um, who had been sniffing around, you know, not sniffing around, that's the wrong word, <laughs> who'd been mooching about um, and then it didn't, it fizzled out. They kind of, um, they arrived back on the scene again and and then I got a record deal. But I'd already released my album um, on my own. So that was kind of cool that I got to make the album that I wanted before, before there was any pressure, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was lovely. I was I I I was able to, to find my feet without any, without anyone really watching, which was quite a lovely thing because I think there's a lot of pressure on people if they get signed early and um, to deliver without actually being able to grow as a human, you know, let alone mm-hmm. as a writer. So I think I was lucky the way it all worked out for me. It worked for me, and I'm forever grateful to Jules Holland. Um. Yeah, and then through Jules, I met Jeff Beck, and uh, Jeff came to see me on the show, on the Jules Holland show, on my very first appearance. And then after that, he asked me to go on tour with him around America. And uh, I'll be forever grateful to Jules as well, and to Ronnie. I've been really lucky with the wonderful people I've met. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, interesting you say there that you've um, kind of always done your own thing and done it your own way. Because I remember when I bought um, Love Tattoo when it came out, and I remember reading an interview with you, you said something about, um, you know, not not that you didn't agree with it, but, you know, the whole X Factor thing, that was obviously a lot bigger then, wasn't it? And that was like a Mm. route that loads of people just took as they thought instant fame, instant record contract, whatever. So, um, you know, that wasn't what you, that wasn't your vibe, was it? You always wanted to do your own thing. So I'm guessing you're just extremely happy that you've carried on to do that and you know been able to be yourself well music was my focus not fame mm. you know um and I was happy to go on a mu- on a on a mu- on a journey to to discover different music and discover myself 
if you like and what I liked and what I wanted to do. I love meeting people. I love meeting musicians. I love um, kind of following the path that unfolds um, as opposed to try and make something happen. I find that way more interesting. And I, for me, that's when the best stuff happens is when you, you follow it, you know? If mm. something comes up and you bump into somebody and you meet them and they say, oh, I'm doing this. Why don't we try this? Or, you know, even if you, I do that even when I'm on tour, instead of planning out what day I'm going to have, I'll kind of just go for a ramble and follow me nose. And it's often I'll have, you know, the best day out of everybody on the tour bus because I'll just see what happens and you can end up at the best gigs or the best restaurant, you know, just happen upon something. And so I've kind of done that, you know, with music, with my career, but I've worked really, really hard. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely willing to put the work in, but I, I love that because I enjoy it. So um, the X Factor route, you know, X Factor are all that those TV shows. They, they're predominantly TV shows, you know, rather than music shows, I think. Yeah. And they, they can be entertaining and fun. I don't know if they're necessarily healthy for music or for musicians or singers, but they're, 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 they're TV, they're entertainment. They're easy entertainment. And um, if somebody goes on, to one of those shows wanting their dreams come true I think they'd be highly disappointed but if they go on you know just for a bit of fun and and to, you know an experience then then I suppose that might work for them but Love Tattoo for me and that's the album that I made on my own which was great I funded it myself mm. I worked double shifts in the nursing home that I was working in and restaurants in order to make up the money so that I could um, hire at the studio and um, then I went on I was gigging and paying my band and trying to, I was singing in restaurants and wine bars, trying to earn enough money to be able to pay my band because my gigs weren't making enough money to do that. So I'd sing on the side at functions and just to be able to pay my band and put on my own gig and try and get punters in. And I was making out flyers for it and photocopying them and cutting them out and trying to advertise them. And also I did all that myself. So I'm really glad I did that way. Yeah, proper grafting nice as well. journey. Yeah. Yeah, and then when things go well, it feels it feels right, mm. you know. Yeah, I can imagine. And I saw... Um, it feels like you've earned, you've, you've, you've worked, not earned, but, you know, it feels like you've, you've... It's not been an overnight thing that you go, oh, wow, this has gone well. Mm. It's very gradual and each kind of step forward you take feels good. Yeah, I'll bet because you know every single bit of hard work that's gone into that, and you couldn't have done any yeah. more. So yeah, to have that having. But I love on. it, and I'm still doing that. And I'm still working too hard. I'm still, you know, while I'm talking to you, I'm at the just unpacking like two thousand CDs that I'm supposed to be signing by the end of today, um, <laughs> which I will do. And I still haven't. I'm right, trying to finish writing a, my poetry book, and I'm t- I'm in the middle of another project. But the reason that I do all that, I get a little. I do too much, but I, I I have to say I thoroughly enjoy what I do. You know, I love it. I'm I'm I find it exciting and fun, and um, yeah, it, I find it, it it. I wake up and it excites me, and mm. that's why I do it. I'm like a I'm like a child that way. You know, I I like to keep a childlike um, curiosity to what I do. Mm, yeah it's nice to hear that you're still enjoying it because it's not the case for a lot of artists so yeah that's great um 
I saw if you it. don't enjoy it, then you're not going to make good music. You know? No, yeah, you're, you're not right. going to write anything good if you're not loving it. I I think. And you're still inspired to write and find new things to write about. Then I'm guessing. Always. Mm. Always, yeah. I, life is is good. There's always stuff to. You know, life is inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of your, um, I know you've got super loyal fans as well. Do you ever read the comments under your YouTube videos? Because they're so passionate and loyal. Um, on the YouTube videos? Yeah, I saw the Graham Norton one recently and all your fans were like just fawning all over you. Like, oh, she's back. Like, oh, you're smashing it. You know, they're just so loyal on there if you have a look. Really? Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that. <laughs> <laughs> really, really nice comments for once for the internet. You know, not too bad. Maybe I'll have to read them to get over all the ones that you read on Twitter. <laughs> toxic. <laughs> toxic Twitter, yeah, exactly. Maybe I might balance it out because sometimes you just go, oh dear Jesus, I'm turning this off. I can't see this anymore. But I do I, I do have a, a lot of wonderful fans. I'm very, very lucky. Um, you know, I have a lot of loyal fans and, um, and uh, enthusiastic, you know. They come with me. Uh, that's the one thing I love about about um people that listen to to my music they seem to be willing to come with me on a journey which I love you know if I change direction they'll come with me if I put out a poetry EP they're open to things you know so I like to think I have very open-minded intelligent beautiful fan base because that's what it feels like you know they seem to be um as curious as I am which is lovely Mm, yeah that's lovely to hear as well so um of course your new single is made to love so it's a celebratory song about love in all shapes and sizes and guises so where did you first get the idea for this song when where did the inspiration strike from i wrote that with tim brown and david arossi so Mm -hmm. um, i wrote a lot of songs on the album with them um so i don't know if you're interested in in you know the the nuts and bolts of it but um uh, I, on this album and the last one, I didn't want. I wanted to concentrate just on lyrics as opposed to musical arrangements, mm-hmm. lyrics and melody, um, because that's uh, I'm predominantly a lyricist, I'd say, you know. And um, so I didn't. I wanted the uh, also. Um, it's good to change things up. So when I'm playing guitar, it's often you can when you get comfortable you can fall into the same chord sequences and things like that so it's nice to uh, I went to Tim and David and they came up with these beautiful pieces of music that would take me somewhere that I wouldn't have gone myself so it's it's really good to to you know it's like going for a walk somewhere and uh, or you know you you keep going on the same walks and then you meet somebody else and they take you on a different route it's just it kind of shakes it up and it's you can see it's nice to see a different view and so that's kind of what happened so they were playing me all these lovely pieces of music and then whatever one would move me immediately I'd just go to the corner and start writing Um, and normally my hand can't keep up with my head you know or Mm. my heart and I can't I, I just it's like I'm possessed it takes off you know and I'm going as quick as I can yeah um, to get the initial bones of the song but it's obviously when it's something ignites in me I can't stop it so that's how I worked and they played me this piece of music um, it was the intro for Made to Love and um, I just I, I, I just something in me 
ignited and uh, and off I went. But, you know, normally it's something, whatever I'm reading on that day or news that happens or something that's gone into my mind. And I suppose there was a lot of stuff around, you know, there's the so much. I just, I just, um, I wrote that from the point of view of love as a living being, as opposed to, I was thinking, what if love, you know, love is in us all. So if we, if it's in us, then we are love, you know? So what if it's this being that kind of hops from one to the other, you know, mm -hmm. and it's looking at us and it's seeing how we're behaving. And um, it must be highly disappointing at times and highly, and, and extremely beautiful at other times. And uh, so that's what I wrote it as. And also, I, I name checked um, Martin Luther King and Marielle Franco and John Lennon and all these people who fought and died for love. And I thought it is worth fighting for. It really is worth fighting for. Um, Marielle Franco was a wonderful activist who fought for equality and acceptance. And, and she was, she was shot. She was for doing so. She was assassinated in broad daylight um, for doing that. And I thought it, we really owe it to these wonderful souls um, who've given so much and we all benefit from what they've done all wonderful activists which is why I asked Gina Martin and Dr. Shola Moss-Shogbamimu to join me because they're two activists that I highly admire and I wanted their voices on this song because I admire what they say on a daily basis you know and uh, so this is about fighting for love and I, I had so many religions you know, different religions, you're, you're, it's so sad to see people fighting over religion, saying, I'm right, no, I'm, my religion is the right one, when really the basis of all of it is love, the basis of everything is love, and it's, it seems like the, you know, it seems, it's very simple, isn't it, mm -hmm. but love isn't always the easy option, for sure, mm -hmm. and it does take work, and it does take you to pull yourself up on things and I discovered there are two emotions love and fear all they're the base emotions of all other emotions and it really helps to try and figure out where you're coming from if something is upsetting you or if some, somebody else is upset where they're coming from whether it's love or from fear and so I decided I wanted to write everything from the perspective of love and I think that's the that's really the point of life it's not always the easiest way but it's 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 the it's definitely the right way and that's what made love is about it's for fighting for it and being love and trying our best to show it and accept others for who they are that we're all living our own journey and we're all trying to do the best that we can and we should accept each other as much as we can for that wow what a wonderful answer beautiful sentiment behind that i love that um mm. yeah really really nice to hear the thought process behind that one um i know mm. you've got um your who didn't Sorry discover that was you such a long answer. no honestly i love it i love a tangent <laughs> i love the thought process i can tell you're really into it i love it so um uh what was i gonna say oh so ronnie who um didn't discover yes. you or did but didn't tell anyone he is on, <laughs> he's um on guitars and on vocals isn't he on this one so how did he get involved in his song I went on a, uh, a, a short tour with Ronnie just before that. Um, I sang on his album. It was a tribute to Chuck Berry, who he's mad about. Mm. Um, and I had such a great time. And we've always got a good time when we get together on the road. And um, 
I'm I'm mad about him. He's such a great, great person. And so, um, yeah, I just asked him to join me. And he said yes. So I was delighted. And, um, you know, I, I, I like, I like being around him. I like everybody on the album are people that I like and like being around, you know, I only work with really good people and um, it means it, it makes for a great album. I think or it makes for a good vibe for sure. You know, you can feel that on it and we just had so much fun in the studio. It was just lovely. It was lovely to have him and people that I write with or record with sound engineers, you know, it's just, um, I just love working with great people. Yeah, absolutely. And why wouldn't you? I bet he's a lot of fun to work with, like you say, and you go back away. Ronnie's so amazing. Good. And I want to say a massive congratulations to him because he's at the getting the keys to the city of London, the freedom of the city of London. Is he? He's at the getting. Yes, he has. Ooh, and I'm wow. really delighted for him. Yeah, he's very happy. And so he should be. Oh, good. Congratulations, Ronnie, if you're listening. Um, yeah. <laughs> well done. Um, I know this song as well, so it's from your sixth studio album, 11 Past the Hour, and that is out on the 23rd of April, and that promises to mm. showcase you at your most authentic. So um, do you mm. feel like maybe you've not been as authentic before, or have you deliberately chosen to be more candid on this new album? No, I've always been myself. I've always been true to myself. But when you're writing, sometimes... You know, when I wrote when I wrote my first album it was before there was any interest. So you can kind of write in. You, for instance, if you're having a conversation, you know, or if you're writing, if you're writing a diary, you'll really, uh, you know, you say what you want to say. If you think that that diary is then going to be published in a newspaper or you know spread across the world, it does affect how you write. Um, certainly to begin with because it's a new experience and you think oh my god and that's the same with songwriting you'll think people are listening to this you know um, and you find a way of for me I found a way I found it quite daunting um, obviously I was delighted people were listening to my music but when it was during the writing process I kind of found a way of being honest but hiding it that only I would know really the depths of what I was saying or you know you could write in not in code, but um, it, it, you could you could you could even write a sad song between a, behind a happy me- behind a happy melody, and mm-hmm. and you could tuck it in there, you know. But I got I got fed up with that, and then I just wanted to write my diary again, um, the way I did at the beginning, and just say what I wanted to say, and have the freedom to do that, and have the guts to go with that. And so that's what I did probably again on the last album, on this album. It's not saying that I haven't written honestly before. I, I always have done, but I suppose I, there was more, there's a, I don't know if it's being more brave mm. um, or or just just going for it and thinking, do you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to lay it all out there. And it's not for, it's not for other people when you're writing. It's very much a, a it's quite a self-indulgent or process. Mm. Um, because it's an honesty with yourself, which, which is often the hardest one of all. <laughs> and, um, and so I just wrote everything down how I felt and I was quite happy with that. And I think, when you do that, sometimes that is the best way to connect with others. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes I get so many messages from people saying that I put into words what it was they were feeling, but couldn't say whether they couldn't articulate it or they weren't able to say with their life circumstances. But it, I, I, I think that's the best way to connect with people is if I can be honest with an experience in life, I think people People can feel it, you know. Mm. There's detail in there that you, you recognise and then you, you you can think, do you know what, I get that. That's exactly how I feel. So if, if that's my job as a catalyst, if my job is to put into words what, what people feel and put it into a song, then I'm happy with that. Mm, absolutely, and why not? And what a beautiful note to end on, I think. So I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Melda. I know you've got to go, you've got to sign thousands of CDs. So um, I wish you the best of luck with that. I hope you don't get um, wrist sprain from signing them all and that you have a lovely weekend. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Oh, you too. I have to, I have to, I have to sign them and then I have to, um, I have the very difficult task of going and getting, um, fish and chips for my daughter <laughs> oh well that needs to be done it's friday after all that's very important on your schedule <laughs> as long as i do it the right way around otherwise everybody's gonna get a, 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 a greasy finger cd which i'll try. <laughs> yeah we don't want so that i better do the cds for us anyway <laughs> thanks so much thank you thank you take care bye headliner radio supporting the creative community